Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamek Berto. Will is your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We've got a great show for you today. So what is the show going to be about today? I think I need to get busy and get that stuff on the screen to tell you what our show is going to be about today, but I don't yet have it on the screen. I don't have it on the screen, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Be with me. Be with me. Be with me. Anyhow, vamos a comenzar. Vamos a comenzar. The title of the show today is... Samuel Khan on All Societies Die. Representative Dumb Trump says, Dumb Trump, not the problem. Reporter scolds GOP senator. Dr. Samuel Khan talks about, Cone, 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 talks about the inconvenient truth. All societies die. Representative points out that Trump wasn't smart enough to be our real problem. So therefore, we really need to take heed to what really happened. That's why we need that investigation, folks. And reporter scolds Rob Portman. In a very civil type of a way. And we're going to also play, I think, a thing from Jen Psaki. But anyhow, let's get busy. It seems like I got populated with a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm going to be doing this real fast because I like to cover everybody. But at the same time, we got a long interview to go through. So anyhow, let's see. Michael Rodden said he's going to be long today. All right, just 12 people are behind most vaccine hoaxes on social media. Research shows Joseph Marcola, Robert Kennedy... Uh, Charlene Bollinger, Charlene Bollinger, Sherry Tippinen, Risa Islam, Rashid Buttar, Erin Elizabeth Sayer J, Kelly Brogan, Christian Northrop, Ben Trapp, Tapper, Kevin Jenkins. Thanks for pointing the names out. I think that's important so that when people people can cauterize that in your mind. Second one, Mark Zuckerberg knows how bad Facebook misinformation problem is because the White House has told him directly. To anyone on here whose primary source of information is social media, recognize that you're being shoved into an echo chamber where factual contradictory information is rarely heard. If you want to break out of this customizable bubble, they are got, then you are got to locked in on switch news sources. Ecosia, ecosia.org. Uh, he gave you the link to the article. Check it out. All right, Capital Rider who bre- breached Senate gets eight months for a felony. A felony charge is supposed to have a minimum of one year sentence. Well, you know, these are Trump's people. They get breaks, don't they? They get breaks, they get breaks, they get breaks. Each rider contributed to the collective uh, threat of democracy. Assistant U.S. Attorney Mona Sedeki said that while Hodgkins didn't engage in violence himself, he walked among those who did. I'm not going to continue that one. It's terrifying. Merkel shaking as flood debts rise in 188 in Europe. And it's probably going to go much further. It's a disaster. Global warming. Michael, this is what we've been talking about. Hitting that point of no return. And how do we mitigate that? That is interesting. That is going to take a whole lot. All right. Oil and gas. Here function. Uh, let's see, funding super PAC attacking Nina Turner. When fossil fuel corporations attack your candidate, you know you're in on the right side of history in the making. Yes, and I still can't get, I've interviewed her f- six times. For some reason, sh- I can't get her, I guess she's probably too busy for little chaps like me. Anyhow, the largest wildfire in the U.S. is growing at about 1,000 acres per hour. That is scary. How bad does global warming have to get before we as a nation get seriously? We got to get serious now. Our climate change turning point is right here, right now. People are dying. Aquatic animals are baking in their shells. We showed that in in Canada a few days ago. I placed it here. Fruit is being cooked on the trees. It's time to act. I'm also sorry to have to say this, but the turning point should have been 2020 when half the world was on fire. 
but the pandemic acted as a distraction the same way the Florida building collapse was for the heat dome. Over a thousand human deaths, a billion dead animals. We are so far out of norm that it needs to be seen. And let me tell you, uh, Michael, I, I, need to get, I need to get moving, but I just want to tell you, first of all, thank you for bringing those stories to light, bringing it to us. Because as I repeat these stories out here, you talk about, we have to be talking about it. And if you t watch TV right now, you're not seeing a whole lot of that on TV. We are doing it. So please, folks, share, share, share. And bring information like Mike and others have done to the show so that we can all have it together, that we can spread together. That is how the ecosystem works. Is your town threatened by flood fires? Consider a managed retreat. What the heck is this? The New York Times actually suggested moving the entire towns when the correct answer is to get our civilization off fossil fuels ASAP. Well, at least they see the trend. By the way, folks, we are also now streaming on, we just got authorized to stream on LinkedIn. So if you go to Egberto Willis on LinkedIn, we're also streaming on LinkedIn. I, I have it set up. I hope it's working. I, I just set it up today, so we'll see. All right, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, House progressives are standing up. If Senator Manchin and the rest of the Senate approve the reconciliation bill, then we'll approve the bipartisan bill. But if they try to strip immigration reform, child care, climate action, then we'll be at an impasse. I agree. Ocasio-Cortez, House progressives are standing up for infrastructure. Look, 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 look. They have to stand up. We made a promise. We brought out 81 million people, more than Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Donald Trump brought out 75 million, more than Hillary. He showed that there is a cancer in our country still. But we did it. Progressives were the delta. We did it. We have to show something for it. Here's a problem. There are some Democrats, I think, they are not into what most of us want. There are Democrats, well, I won't go there today. We'll take that another day. Greenland halts new oil exploration to combat climate change and focus on sustainable development. I mean, they're sitting on top of heat. They, they don't need oil. They are sitting on top of volcanic action caused by radiation and other technologies made by nature. Let them use that. They, can, they have full potential for that. Okay. Hello from Long Beach, Maywood. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Yvette Avery Herod. welcome to E2247. Uh, welcome AVQ, of course, also known as Michael Rodden. Uh, Julie Van Astel, welcome aboard. Beautiful people, you are beautiful yourself. E2247 says, billionaires, I like that, must pay a modest uh, for them fee to come down to earth. We can call it billionaire astronaut re-entry fee. I love that, brother. I love that. The BARF will be set to 10% of the billionaire's net worth estimated by Forbes. Real time, time billionaire list. I love that. Eric Hayes. I had some coffee with Eric Hayes over the weekend. We had some good chats. Enjoyed it, brother. You know, good minds meet. You know, we disagree sometimes. We agree sometimes. Lee Grant. I think we have coffee scheduled too, brother. Add your name if the billionaires want to hurt themselves. We also have from E2247. For Be Jeff Bezos, the barf would be $20.2 billion. Imagine 10% of his income is only, I mean, worth is only, t that's a shame. Stacy, Larry, welcome aboard. TJ, Egberto, Cuba needs a new dictator. You should apply, Kami. Love you too, TJ. But no, I'm not. I don't believe in dictatorships, uh, my friend, at all. But thank you for 
just suggesting that I, thank you for nominating me for an executive job. I thank you so kindly. Eric Hayes, question, why were all the Texans them unmasked on a plane? And we got, you know, a couple of them came out and apologized. They, and they, rightfully so. I think it showed, I think it was horrendous. That picture that we saw, 50 or however many Democrats on a plane with no masks on, when we are fighting to tell people who go on planes to wear masks, I have to come down on my brethren. You've got to follow the rules. Look, I went into Starbucks yesterday, and I, you know, I, I, to, to meet Brother Eric Hayes, and I put my mask on when I went in there. And I was the, I was one of the only ones with a mask on. Then I started seeing people walk in there with masks. You know, it was a, it was interesting. I wore the mask not to protect only myself, but in case to protect others. And people say, but you're vaccinated. Yes, it's not about getting sick. It's about trying to kill the virus. It's about trying to mitigate the virus. Not, I don't want the virus in slow circulation with a bunch of vaccinated people. I want the virus gone. And if we do super protection, the virus will be gone. E2247 says, bestest founder of Amazon, richest person on earth. Oh, I got to stop. Eric, administration wants people to mask up. Well, maybe it uh, will continue. Eric, why are people coming to the country not tested? That's not true completely, but we'll go take that another time. Welcome aboard, Gary A. Miller. Michael Rodney says, it better to the point of no return is 2035. We don't know. That keeps changing. Uh, Egberto, wow, you actually read out nearly all of my posts. I went, oh, wait, yes, you went over your limit, but, but I love all you guys. And I told you it's your show. Be kind though. Don't, don't, you know, be kind guys. All right. Let's see. Yeah. Degree has a lot of geothermal. Yeah. A lot of geothermal. Um, everywhere up there has geothermal brother. Uh, let's see what else we got. Our video team interviews resistance leaders at the camp's front who outlines the need for... If you have video that you want to share here, bring it along also, E2247. You know that's what we're here for. Peggy Lopez, welcome aboard. Jacoby, welcome aboard. Jacoby G. Michael Rudnan is still back, E2247. Julie Van Astel, Mary Wood, I'm at the bottom. Let's go with our first interview. Let's get busy. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Randomic. Berto Willis, your host today. I'm honored to be with someone I wanted to speak to for some time. Samuel Cohn is a professor of sociology at Texas A&M University and the founder and first president of the American Sociological Association Section on Development. Cohn is, has won three prizes from the American Sociological Association for his scholarly work about economic development, sociology, and gender equality. Cohn's previous four books focus on uh, microsociology and social change, and his research has encompassed Victorian uh, Britain, late 19th century France, contemporary Brazil, and the contemporary United States. For the last 15 years, Cohn's primary course at Texas A&M has focused on societal death. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to him, especially in the current context of America. Welcome to Politics Unright, Dr. Cohn. I am thrilled to be here. That's the best introduction I'll ever get. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's worth it. And, you know, at Politics Done Right, we do things right. We try it. We hope. That's what we do. I love it. Anyway, I love it. Anyhow, um, the biggest questions. Uh, why do societies die? Well, the bigger question, if you think about it, is how do societies manage to live as long as they do? 
I am sure you're going to tell me. Then, well, up to us out some tips. Think about what we take for granted. That in the last 2,000 years, we've been seeing nothing but continuous economic growth going forward. We've seen nothing but technological progress that gets better and better and better, although there were some stops that we know about, like the Middle Ages. We assume that the world gets more and more peaceful, and if you do all the advanced studies, you see crime is down, warfare is down, and we've gotten somewhat spoiled believing that that's kind of our own natural entitlement. Well, if you really think about this for a minute, there's nothing that comes with that automatically. All of that comes from, we, we're used to depressions, short-term periods where economic growth and seems to stop uncontrollably. And then we wonder, how in the world did we ever get this thing going again? Well, in fact, this all depends on People continuing to cooperate with each other. People not killing each other. Like, you know, we all know if we were to push the nuclear button, it would all go. But if you take a, it assumes that governments continue to work and do their job. And if you look at the foundations of how societies grow, in the book I give law, I can give you a 12-step complicated model of how they die. You're not going to get all 12 steps. But the basic spirit of some of the things in that general process. There's a government that everyone basically believes in, that they pay their taxes for. And it does things like keep the society free of crime. It acquires natural resources when required. It runs schools. It builds infrastructures. It does the job of keeping things humming. You create a large safe space where people tend to not fight each other. Uh, the United States had a civil war, but it kind of is the case that you don't have to worry about California fighting Maine anytime soon, or even really despite our red state, blue state stuff, there's no one who's really concerned that New York State's going to invade Alabama. Right. And in this context of a safe space where everyone agrees to treat each other nice, people can do business, commercial transactions will be legally enforceable, I can't rip people off and hope that I can get away with it. There's a certain amount of trust and confidence, and we work on big projects of common interest. Uh, We've developed the internet. Uh, Think about the enormous accomplishment of developing a coronavirus vaccine Mm -hmm. in record time. We can pull big projects off very well. As people become suspicious of each other, and this can be ethnic reasons, it can be political reasons, but groups fall apart. The Roman Empire split into an eastern half and a western half. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Northern Ireland, Catholic versus Protestant. And I if you thought think so. Let about- me. I want to interrupt you because you brought up two issues, very important issues, and I want to ask you in the context of those issues, were those, uh, could those have caused that societal destruction that you talk about, both absolutely. the separation of Europe and the separation of Ireland? A- absolutely. Well, just common sense was Northern Ireland supports part of Great Britain. Right. And some of this comes from the implicit bad way that England treated Ireland as a whole. Gotcha. But even if Northern Ireland was a somewhat privileged group that got better treatment than Southern Ireland, the constant warfare between the Catholics and the Protestants was certainly not helpful. Okay. 
Sorry to interrupt. Uh, please continue. No, but no, but no, but this is this is the essence of the point. Um, if you think, if you will, about the American South, that had a North that largely accommodated immigrants as they came in, and you had a South that was divided into white versus black, and blacks were artificially kept without income, first through the institution of slavery, and then once slavery was technically illegal, the use of vigilante laws or debt peonage or sharecropping Police. to keep blacks practically without income, nominally free. And what happened in all of those cases is that the whites thought that they were getting this marvelous benefit in the South by keeping themselves above the blacks. In the North, there was purchasing power by the working class. So the working class bought products made by Northern manufacturers. There was steady economic growth because you could open up any kind of a business to be someone to sell to. The South didn't have a consumer market because some 40 to 60% of the population were kept too poor to buy anything. It was simply harder for Southern businessmen to become successful than Northern businessmen, and the South got poorer and poorer and poorer. Note that when does this get cured? They mechanize agriculture, which means they decide to stop keeping blacks without any pay whatsoever. And they got rid of the debt peonage and they got rid of the sharecropping. So suddenly the blacks around had income. They started spending. But also blacks were allowed to go to the north. And many of them sent money back, back to their in, relatives back in the south. Just like we do and, in Cuba or other places. Same place. And suddenly... Black people had money and poor white people in the South had money. And so the boom of the new South starts around 1940s. And that's what gives you juggernauts like Atlanta today, where now the South is a legitimately prosperous place and the North is wondering if they can keep up. It's all based on greater equality and greater cooperation between groups. Now, you just wrote this book recently. Uh, did the ad did the actions of, let's say, our past president uh, kind of lead you on to this? Or uh, did, did you see something that warranted the writing of this book? Historically, the record on how societies fall goes back centuries and centuries. So having seen like the fall of the Egyptian empires, fall of Rome, fall of Byzantium was particularly important. So I was seeing the library reading my books. But there's no question that the rising divisiveness of sectarian politicians on both sides of the would probably have to say that the use of wedge issues is greater on the right than it is on the left. And while we like to talk about the personality of Donald Trump, in many ways, there were many features of this. Now, before we write these off, all oh, these terrible, hateful people, there's another issue that has to be taken into account too, and that's the whole tax revolt and the rise of the Tea Party which we like to think is narrowly racialized. But in fact, there's more to it than that. And the more to it than that makes it more destructive. So this does this makes it worse rather than better. Explain that. I don't I don't quite think because I always looked at the Tea Party movement as sort of an astroturf movement. You're saying it's deeper than that. It's, it's, it's absolutely financial. And to some extent, you know, we all read... Marx, and we knew that capitalism was supposed to have internal contradictions. But, you know, the working class rising up and seizing New York City, that really wasn't a very plausible story. And when leftists tried to tell that, you know, oh, come on. There was a Marxist in the 1970s named James O'Connor who fixed it. 
who identified that a right-wing middle class would become the revolutionary class in capitalism rather than a left-wing working class. Explain that. That is actually quite intriguing. Explain that. Okay, because what is happening all over the world is that middle classes are turning right-wing and anti-state. Why? And the reason for this is tied into the dynamics of capitalism. Remember we talked about a government that provides all the necessary functions of capitalism, education, scientific research, defense. Someone's got to pay those bills. Now, who pays the bills? In general, the poor people don't have any money to pay the bills. You can't tax people who ain't got squat. The middle class can pay bills, so small business can pay bills. And wealthy individuals, so doctors and lawyers can pay bills. Even Bill Gates can pay bills. Right. Corporations, and particularly very large corporations, tend to write tax exemptions into the law. They use their K-Street lobbyists. Right. So if you, we have the phenomenon in the United States. Amazon pays almost no taxes. General Electric pays almost no taxes. It's extremely common for monopoly capital to pay far less than its share of income in taxes. That means that the other sources of tax payments have to pick up the entire slat leftover. So who and so ironically, you know, we talk about the one percent, the one percent. That's not entirely correct. It's profoundly correct, but it needs a slight twist. Bill Gates, as an individual, pays plenty of taxes. Microsoft pays nothing. Right. And the group that pays nothing is called monopoly capital. And the even though we, we've given them personhood, but they want personhood, and at the same time, they don't want to do their personal responsibility. And they also get the lion's share of government expenditures spent on them. Right. So they get the Defense Department contracts. If they get the bailouts, in the in all the cases of big bailouts, large bank, you know, small people, individuals lost their homes. Small businesses were wiped out. Banks got, General Motors got uh, yeah, bailout. Yeah, the big bailout. Banks yeah. got bailouts. So all of the privileges go to the people who aren't paying the bills and your middle class and rich individuals pay the bills. It's basically what happened around the 1980s is that they got wise to it. People realized what was happening and that the middle class was paying for everyone else except themselves. Unwisely, they only attacked lower class benefits. They attacked welfare. They attacked welfare mothers. They attacked minorities. It became racialized. They attacked illegal immigrants. Oh, they're getting Zolma services. They did not really think about the who's really taking their money. But either way, they realized they were stuck paying the bills, and they decided to not pay the bills. And it's not just the United States. This is the basis of conservative movements in Canada, which are somewhat weaker. In Britain, why Boris Johnson keeps winning election after election. The rise of both the Orthodox and the neo-fascist right in places like Germany. It is the rise of Bolsonaro, where Brazilian taxpayers who pay far more than we do are very sick of all the deals. They're also sick of the corruption. There's some of this behind Indo-nationalism and Modi. The more you look, the more you find that there are pocketbook issues behind the rise of this new right. And so this is why even if Donald Trump had never happened, let's imagine Donald Trump 
suddenly decided to run golf courses and hospitals and didn't like this television game where his ego got hurt. Fine. Do you think that Ted Cruz would have behaved much differently? Not at all. Precisely. Now, let me ask you a question because I think this is important. This is very important. Okay. Um, you, I agree with everything that you've just said, but w- w- the one thing that I, I, I think I want to, I don't know if I would call it a pushback, but ask about is that, um, is that should the middle class is not just comprised of the right, a large por- percentage of the middle class are people who would consider themselves like myself left. Okay. That's correct statement. Uh, uh, so my thing is, I think we are fighting the same battle are you then saying maybe the folks on the right maybe are simply just more militant than the ones on the left because it seems that we're searching for the same thing while the leadership that they're putting forth are simply conning them because okay go ahead one you're you're one you're absolutely correct two no economic politics is not purely economic interest mm-hmm. okay we experienced, for instance, um, many Hispanics who supported Trump during the most recent election. Mm-hmm. And the question is, am I better off not being persecuted by immigration authorities or am I better off having someone who won't make me wear masks and will allow me to work? And different people within the Hispanic community read their interest in different ways. Um, many middle-class people they work for universities or they work for the state. And so as essentially members of the state capitalist class, mm-hmm. they're fairly favorable to the expansion of state spending. But above and beyond economic interest, and economic interests are often very detailed based on your, exactly where your bread is buttered, there, is, there are social networks, there's socialization, there's organization, there are other issues in this world besides economic, and so what happens is that just as even at our highest level of the high, you have Ben and Jerry style capitalists, and then you have all our people, uh, you know, supporting election fraud claims, you know, they will make mattresses, okay? There are going to be divisions within each class, but what happens is that when you have a large group of people who share it, it provides a block. And that block existed from 1980 to the present day, but did not exist in American politics. At the same time, it's probably worth mentioning, just for the American case, a block that disappeared was organized labor. Because before the effect of globalization of production, when you could basically strike in a city or strike in a state, you could get a good solid block on the labor supply and you had a chance of winning your strike. And firms are always going to locate in your state so they would sign a union contract. Once transportation improved to the point that it was possible to do physical production overseas in Asia or on the Mexican border or soon to come places like Ethiopia or the Ivory Coast, once these become areas of cheap labor production, labor unions became less viable in the West, not entirely. In Europe, they still exist in some places due to legal protections. So the disappearance of a major force pushing for income distribution and the rise of a new force pushing for unincome redistribution because you want to keep our money led to a huge tilt away from left politics towards right politics. Uh, typically, progressive academics concentrate on the fall of the labor movement and hope that if they're 
progressive enough in academia, they'll be able to mobilize all the groups together to recreate the social circumstances of the 1930s and 50s. Realistically, with the globalization of production, hoping you're going to put the genie back in the bottle. I, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because, you know, we've been talking about putting the union uh, back together, et cetera, et cetera. And we really find out that that is probably not likely. It seems to me like uh, what's going to have to happen is the law. In other words, it's a, if, if we look at just economic advantage, the plutocrats that control everything will do, since they're the ones controlling where production is, et cetera, they will rule. The only way to get around that is the law, right? To say you can't do that, you can't bring these products in, you cannot manufacture X, Y, Z. It seems like only the law could do that. And it seems to me that is where you should have the alliance. You know, I, I, we talk about destruction of, of nations and or society. It seems like the inability of the right and the left who have similar interests on the middle class level, it seems like those getting together to institute politicians that will pass laws because again i always thought capitalism was a fraud i don't know what you think but i think capitalism is a fraud okay, okay. uh but um but uh, it seems to me that that is the next step that should have been taken and once you take that step it actually obfuscate what capitalism is is anyway well let's talk a little bit about the eight about the law and it's about what you're talking about common strategies what drives long-term economic growth is innovation. There's generally going to be, let's talk about two stages, innovation, the only person knows how to do it, and then physical, simple production. Mm-hmm. Once you're at the level of simple physical production, there's a globalized logic, because the cheapest labor is going to produce it more efficiently. Right. The general trend for all products has been to start in the nation of the inventor and then move towards increasingly lower labor pools as people get lower and lower costs. It's, we saw it happen to automobiles where it started in the United States, you know, started in the United States, then Japan picked up, and now all mm-hmm. sorts of people can make automobiles. And if Europeans want to talk their contribution to autos, I'll let them have that. That was an America-centric, but close enough. Once you, the most of the great economic powers in the world were funded by a great innovation, England, with the invention of mechanical textile manufacture. Then England with the making of railroads. Germany and the United States shared credit on structural steel, Mm -hmm. which is why the great political battles of 1890 to 1945 were America versus Germany. They were the two rivals, seeing which one was going to be top dog. America with automobiles, and then America with computer, internet, software products. As a general rule, once they had that, production costs never mattered in the glory days. So production costs don't matter in Silicon Valley now because everyone wants the latest, greatest coming out of Silicon Valley. As software becomes cheaper and more standardized, it then becomes a matter of who makes it better. And that's where the Indians and the Chinese and the Russians and other people start undercutting your American wealth. You're not going to really be able to fully stop free markets. If smuggling lots of kings and queens in the Middle Ages and the 1600s wanted to stop foreign trade and smuggling was just rife. And there's all sorts of colorful ports all over Europe where the pirates used to bring their boats and they bring the goods in. 
One way, you know what? Let's not have any marijuana. Let's not have any cocaine in our country. So we're going to close the border. Can't fail, right? War of drugs has been fantastic. Well, actually, you know, here's here's where you and I may differ. I think that that it is our economic system that that you're talking about. You're talking about uh, a capitalist structure lends itself to all those things that you've spoken about. Okay, and let's talk about capitalism right on foot. We are, in essence, kept people. Okay, and you can use yes. more vulgar terms for kept. Realistically, capitalism will always involve certain contradictions that are fatal, and they're, and, and they're intrinsic. So uh, I, I want you to repeat that. What you just said is very capitalism important. Capitalism always has contradictions that are fatal. So we talk about all societies die. A lot of this comes from capitalist dynamics. That's what Richard Wolff says as well. Uh, that's what, and that's, that's what, what many I, people have said as well. Yes. How you get to the death matters because many critics of capitalism have sentimentalized inaccurate models of fall. You know, the worker rebellion rising up. Which won't, okay? yeah. Okay, that's not going not to happen on our watch. Um, currently, the green Marxists are a little bit closer to the, you know, we talk about contradiction to the forces right. and relations of production. Um, the green Marxists correctly argue that and I'm, I'm going to move from orthodox formulations to ones that I think are more viable to get to the contradictions of capitalism. You can improve over the worker rebellion model with the ecological contradictions model, which is sometimes called the treadmill of production. Mm-hmm. The idea is that as we produce more and more, we consume more and more scarce resources on the planet. We destroy more and more on Earth. There's an intrinsic contradiction with increased human production and the way of nature. And finally, that nature is going to rise up and kill us as a species. Right. Okay. And you can look at global warming. Uh, one of the factors that's not fully appreciated in this is desertification. Yes. As we start, population grows in sensitive areas. You start destroying areas that people lose their livelihood. And when they lose their livelihood, they become violent. Yes. So while everyone is thinking about a movie where, like, some Hollywood disaster film where a tidal wave comes and eats Los Angeles, because everything, when we think about the death of capitalism, is us, 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 us. Americans, American, Americans, and poor people. Yeah. Well, if you look in the global south of the people who are really taking the brunt of this, and we will occasionally think about people living on low-lying islands in the Indian Ocean. Right now on the edge of the Sahara, you see the effect of this now. And we only think global warming. We're not thinking population growth. The bigger the population, the more consumption of resources and the more everything goes. Exactly. And so widespread pop, and we always, the population bomb, not a problem. We got contraception, we've invented, we're on it. That's our vaccine. And so people blew off population growth. Oh, that's so 70s. Don't blow that off. By all demographic models, it's called something called population momentum that has the world population being some 40 to 50% bigger by the time it stabilizes with contraception. There is no way the Earth's resource base can support 40 to 50% more humans, but that is what's coming. Dr. Dr. Cohn, I could speak to you for a 
few hours at a time because that's so much material that you have in there and so much knowledge that we would want to impart on our people. So what I'm going to tell our folks is they need to go out there and get your book. The name again? Uh, All Societies Die, How to Keep Hope Alive. I like that. I like the second part of it, how to keep hope alive. Now, what would you have liked me to ask you in one minute? What to ask, would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Uh, I'll just make a general statement. If people work together for common prob- to solve common problems, everything can be solved. If we bicker and don't solve problems, nothing is solved. Uh, Dr. Samuel Cohn. Professor of Sociology at Texas A&M University. It's been my pleasure to speak to you. And what you've, all you've done today thus far is whet the appetite of many to actually get a bit more informed. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you. We spend a lot of time deconstructing. Well, folks, I hope you like that. Uh, let's see. Berto, can you put this map on the, what is it about? Let's see. Oh, that's not a map. That's a video. Uh, that's a video, brother. Let's see. Uh, there's a team of the people I love about treating them. YouTube. No, that, that, that's, a, that's a YouTube. I can't put it quite yet. I'll have to check it out first. Otherwise, we can get into some of these crazy copyright issues, brother. Anyhow, um, let's see. I, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, let's go ahead. Before I forget, what I did is I thought that I kind of take a little bit too much time when I'm saying, hey, guys, support politics done right and all that kind of stuff, right? So what I did last night, and I'm going to just take some time to explain it to my regulars right now. But in general, I, what I did is I created one link, politicsdoneright.com slash support, right? And when you go to that one link, politicsdoneright.com slash support, it gives you all the different forms of support. Uh, that you can provide and I, I want you guys to kind of give me an idea if you think if you think this is better I just give you that stuff maybe every so often put a little stuff on the screen but if you can see I have this so everything that I normally spend a lot of time sometimes two minutes saying I'd like to reduce all of that to about a minute or so because we have a lot more to talk about so I have that you can support us through PayPal you can click on that for PayPal whatever however YouTube, Patreon, support via Facebook, support via e-payment, support via buy or books, shop or store. Uh, suggestions, you think that's a better way to do it, where I just give you a list of things with one link. And at your convenience, uh, except for the ones that I say, join right away by clicking on the join button on YouTube or on Facebook, that you can come do this way. Give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts. Uh, I have not. Hey, Charlie, Rat Lindahl, my brother. Hey, you called me today. I I barely made it on time for the show today. I couldn't take anybody's calls. My phone was blowing up, and I kept on pushing that button. I'll call you later. Later is like real, real, real later. Um, anyhow, but thank you, brother, for saying that. Charlie uh, is the one responsible for me telling you guys specifically that. Uh, I want to make you sure that to, to, to do the bar for we did the bar already and definitely mentioned the MSNBC town hall with the Texas Democrats today. I think it's at seven o'clock on MSNBC. So check that out. Look at your local listings to see what time it's going to be. So that is oh 9 p.m. tonight. Is that central? I imagine uh, um, Charlie is telling us about it. 
Charlie is telling us about it. So anyhow, but anyhow, folks, please, if you are on YouTube right now, click that join button to uh, support us. If you are not on YouTube, just click on politicsdoneright.com slash support. And there are several different ways that you can support us. I ask that you choose one or more to help keep this stuff going. And with that, I am done. Estoy terminado. I'm going to put it bigger so it looks better on the screen some other time. You see, these are the different methods of support that you have right now. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about uh, Congress, uh, the, the Congress, what the congressman had to say about El Señor El Señor Trump, and then we'll take it on the other side. This is why many people fear for the future of the United States with regards to what they claim Donald Trump brings on. I want you to listen to this congressman and then let's take it on the other side because this is more important than one would believe. The selection of those civilians who were all people of a particular political stripe to be in the Pentagon when they had no experience and no no reason for being in there was certainly a red warning sign that was happening in clear in plain sight. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Being part of the military is not always going to be our, our safety net. And think about this: General uh, Flynn could have potentially been back in the Pentagon, and he pretty much is as QAnon nut as you can get, right? Again, it is the lawyers, it is the civilian uh, people, it is the secretaries of this cabinet that are now serving on corporate boards and treated as if they weren't part of the insurrection uh, that enabled this this feeble man. Donald Trump is a very dumb man. He could not have done this on his own. But the fact is, there were active people that were really smart about you know uh, operating the levels of government. Uh, that, that put him in this position that almost attempted a coup. So we can't just rely on the military. We also have to make sure that we have civil society and civil servants that are actually going to protect the Constitution. And when they don't, there should be consequences. We shouldn't just invite them back in society as if nothing happened. He said something that we've said a long time ago. There's not much upstairs there for Donald Trump. There's not. Donald Trump has always been somebody with means based on what he's, what he's inherited that others could use to do bad deeds. And just as well, politicians has as well. That's why after the insurrection, when people weren't sure if it was a complete failure, you had the Republicans coming out and admonishing Donald Trump. It's your fault, Donald Trump, and whatever. And when they saw that the results from the January 6th wasn't a real clamp down on all those traitors, a clamp down on all those insurrectionists, they started to mellow a bit. Just maybe we don't have to be this way because ultimately what we want is power by all means necessary. Power by all means necessary. And if it's an insurrection that we can blame on Donald Trump that ultimately then wins and then we coddle him thereafter, hey, that's fine. We'll do what's necessary. The congressman is right. Donald Trump is fairly dumb. He couldn't have envisioned, he doesn't know how government works. He doesn't know how anything works. But there, by being that dumb, there are many who are able to use him for their ulterior motives. And that is exactly what's going on right now. People are funding themselves off of the lies. People are making millions off of the lies as the peons, the sycophants that follow Donald Trump and his minions. Give them their wherewithal, give them their cash, give them their wealth. Because the way they think, we'll either get rich from the sycophants or we'll actually get power when our sycophants put their lives at risk for us. Think about it, folks. That's what it's all about.
That is definitely we what it's all about. spend a lot of time folks. deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody cannot... That is definitely what it's all about, folks. That is definitely what it's all about. Okay, Charlie made a correction. It's 9 central. 9 central for the, uh, for the program uh, to watch the Democrats in, uh, in that, are, that are currently in D.C. protesting the voting. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that, uh, Lopez. You should have told me that long time. I just thought about that last night when I said, you know, I want to reduce the amount of time that I'm doing on that. Give one link, and that puts all the different options in front of people right away. What I may add to that that I've done there is maybe put a little bit more descriptions of what... I mean, I think it's self-explanatory, actually, because once you click on it, you know what you're doing. So I may just leave it that way. Anyhow, let's see. Macaroni, what to do about the prevalence of social media disinformation? Label it. Don't censor it. Create a list of known conspiracy pseudoscience website or borrow from media bias fact check. Then anytime someone shares from an unknown source, this real source posts a fact check on it right away. Exactly. Peggy Lopez says, since Reagan, there has been a corporate moving force. Corporations uh, do not die. The corporate plan moved us here and has a future from here. Plan presently in force. Corporations are not people. That's what we fought for. The 28th Amendment in, uh, in, in Move to Amend. Egberto, maybe you can interview Tara Huseik. Uh Let's see. Couchin, Chichin, First Nation, Bear Plan, who, Clan, who's been on the line three, front line protecting water. Let me tell you something, folks. Uh, like I said, this is your show. If you have somebody you want me to interview, you be the producer. What does you mean? Because if, you're going, if you want me to interview them, I'll do it. But you be the damn producer. And let me tell you what that means. You get in touch with the person. If, uh, if, you, if, if you need my help somehow, tell me what you need from me, and then we'll, we'll do it that way. That, that, that way we're helping each other promote the message to us all. Uh, because I, I, I can just tell you that with the people that I am currently have on my interview list and all that kind of stuff, I am tapped out. Until I can get my subscriptions to the level that I can hire somebody, I can tell you I'm tapped out. Last night I went to bed at 3.10, got off at 7. Uh, because I had another interview today and I'm probably going to have another one tonight. Got to go process videos. I love doing this, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying there's a certain capacity that one reaches. So um, if you want somebody to, me to interview somebody, I'm here for you, I'll do it. Bring them on and, you know, we'll also interview them in your name. Maybe you also want to be a part of the interview where we bring you in another screen and you do the inter- that you that you talk as well. You know, I, I want to do all those kinds of things, right? Where you're actually a part, where you're a part of, of it. You know, everybody, it's not, it's not just me interviewing somebody. You may have some stuff that you may want to talk to that person directly. So you arrange an interview. When we set the interview up, if you are interested in doing so, we can actually add you to it as you know somebody um, that wants to do it. I want to try all these different kind of things. I mean, you know, we don't have to emulate what you see emulated on regular TV. We can do things differently. All right, let's look at that uh, White House reporter that got me upset on Friday. I think it was. Check it out. I try to listen to the press conferences, the White House press conferences, every day because you want to know what's what's going on in the White House, but. I wonder sometimes about the media that's there. It's almost like we're watching the Foxification, the Fox Newsification of that newsroom. Because there's a lot happening in the country. But first of all, I want you to listen to the question that this reporter asked 
Jen Psaki, her answer was marvelous because, again, it was pretty much, uh, her answer was pretty much saying, dummy, why don't you just follow the data? Check this out, then we'll take it on the other side. On COVID, um, you and Dr. Walensky have used this, this phrase, the pandemic of the unvaccinated. And I am wondering if any part of that is the administration distancing itself from responsibility for the pandemic um, because you've been trying to get people vaccinated or if um, or if it's a scare tactic. Well, I would say first the data speaks for itself, which 99.5% of people who are in hospitals because of COVID are unvaccinated. What it is our responsibility to do is provide accurate public health information to the public. Uh, it is also our responsibility to stay at it and continue to communicate, to fund programs, to support trusted messengers, to get out into local communities, to use what we see as creative partnerships, uh, to uh, meet people where they are. We haven't stopped that. We haven't halted it. We haven't even slowed it down. Uh, but certainly uh, from the public health experts, et cetera, and I repeated what Dr. Walensky said because she is, of course, a doctor and I am not. Uh, it is important for people to understand that the vaccine is safe. It will keep it will protect them. Uh, and it is as simple as that. In some it is simple. How do you ask a question like that? Are you telling the truth? I mean, this that question broke down to this. Are you telling the truth because you don't want to take responsibility for telling the truth? Or maybe another way. Are you telling the truth so that those people who are telling the lies somehow don't take... I, I am not sure what that reporter was really asking when she asked if the reason... The, 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 they said today, the, uh, the NIH director said today, uh, there's going to be two responses to the, to the COVID pandemic right now, those who are vaccinated and those who are not. That's simply a truth. If you're vaccinated, 97% of you are going to be doing just fine. If you're not, you're likely going to get a severe case of COVID and you could possibly lose your life. So her answer, the data says it. Now, there's so much happening in the country right now. We're going to go through a rent crisis, a mortgage crisis. We're going to be going through a whole lot of these things. Those are legitimate questions that the White House should have to answer. Are you, are you going to mitigate what's going on in, uh, in, inside of middle America, inside of poor America, etc.? Yes, we know you're working on the infrastructure bill and the human infrastructure bill. What are your immediate, what are you going to do as we try to bring those different bills online to help Americans? There are so many questions, intelligent questions to ask, questions that mean something to the average American citizen. Yet, they ask a whole bunch of Fox News-like, silly, empty, shallow questions you know what is the funny thing when i heard that question as well 
here it is. They're telling they're telling uh, the government we we don't want you to impose on these people who don't want to get vaccinated. Okay, we don't impose, and then we keep asking them to take it. And what we did is we finally tell the truth. Now it's an it's a it's a pandemic of the of of the unvaccinated. And then they come back and say, "But wait a minute, are you trying to are you trying to not take responsibility for these people who you're telling that you shouldn't force them to take vaccine? Are you trying to take responsibility?" It may, I mean, these guys put you in a circular loop. If you, if you allow them, they'll take you down the rabbit trap. That is why you don't do it. Anyhow, Tina, Scan, Tina Candel, Tina Candel, ¿cómo estás? Buenas tardes, CW. Siempre me encanta tu programa. Lo escucho fielmente todos los días. Muchísimas gracias por escucharme. Por favor, enséñalo a, a tus amigos, la familia. Y todos para que lo ven también. Muchas gracias. All right, folks. Uh, let me tell you, what else have we got here? What else have we got here? Charlie, I think I read yours already. And yeah, it, that is true, uh, Rudnan. The Republican strategy is letting their conservatives die due to getting vaccinated so that it'll hurt Biden. But that's a, <laughs> to be used that way, it's amazing. Hi, everyone. Fantastic show today. Have been listening in the car. Now I'm home. Welcome aboard, Rose. And Rose, thank you for doing the, that stuff that you always do for me with the blogs to make sure that I don't look too, 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 too badly with my typos. Thank you so kindly. And running about um, the, the stuff, as soon as I'm done with the show today, I'm going to do 50 minutes of spinning in my little mini gym right here because you're right. If you don't take care of yourself doing this kind of work and getting that, it hurts you. But what I do, I tell you, I'm diligently, I diligently do my spinning to keep my cardio up to speed. And every few weeks, I just, uh, you know, I may get my six hours in a day or two. All right, let's see. Charlie Lindahl just bought your guest's book online. Hey, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Folks, don't forget to get my books, politicsunright.com slash books. But you can figure out how you can help us by just going to politicsunright.com slash support. Politicsunright.com slash support. I have one more video to show, but it, we only have three minutes, and the video is four minutes long, so I don't want to do that. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else do I want to say since I have two minutes to blow because I don't have a video? Um, look, Egberto, as it comes to taking yourself, the best thing you can do is making sure you get good night's sleep as often as you can. Yes, sir. You know, my daughter tells me the same thing. My wife tells me the same thing, you know. But, you know, I, I tell you what. I, I figure in the long run, pretty soon, I'll be able to get more sleep as I get more, as I get more, uh, what is the word called? More members, as I get more patrons, as I get more of all of that, it'll be fine. But, you know, with everything, you got to do a little sacrifice first. And I think we are all worth sacrificing for because we got to turn this stuff around, people. We've gone, we, not we got to, we will turn this thing around. You know that song? Gotta take that mother out. I'm aging myself, aren't I? For my millennials that follow me, I love you. I follow you. And you are the leaders that I listen to. All right, they filed on July 16th, not today. Who filed? Oh, okay, the thing you are talking about before. Got it. All right, folks, we got to get out of here. I just want to thank you all for listening. I want to ask you, I'm going to put that stuff in that feed one more time. Support us, please do. I'll put one link in there. Lopez is going to love that. 
politicsandright.com slash support. Choose a method or more to support us. And we will be thankful to tell you, hey, thank you for helping us do what we must do. All of us together, composite, la colectiva, the collective, is what we do. Anyhow, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. Love you all. Thank you all. And you know how I end this, baby. I am what? Oh! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. 